Hey, Alex, you looking a little thin there. What kind of weight loss program you on, buddy? Uh, the food poisoning weight loss program. <laughs> you, you look, you look and sound terrible. Yeah, but actually, you kind of look good too because you're really skinny. <laughs> I don't, I don't approve of this style of weight loss, but I did put clothes on this morning, and I was like, "Dang, there's that beach bod." Yeah, but man. in no way do I condone getting food poisoning to lose weight. We do not condone any sort of uh, dis- destructive weight loss programs at all. So, but yeah, uh, I am getting over food poisoning and Jason and I just really wanted to get together and kind of wrap up our feminism month. Yeah. It's been kind of a crazy couple of days. I mean, we recorded this interview with Holly from the method theology podcast and it went three and a half hours. Yeah. So obviously we're not going to include that in one episode. Uh, so we're breaking it up into two, but I got super busy at work, working overtime. Then we had a holiday weekend. And, and then I got sick. And, and then you're sick. And so these are a little delayed getting to you. But Alex, I mean, we get into some heavy discussion, mm-hmm. egalitarian versus complementarianism and we we dig deep into the Bible, which we'll include in a different episode, because it just it just goes on a lot longer than I anticipated. Good discussion, solid good discussion. discussion. But anytime you have like a Bible discussion where you're discussing two opposing views, like it's gonna take a while. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't know if podcasting is the best form for that. But it was a really great discussion with Holly, so we're gonna throw it up anyway. Yeah, and I don't know, like most people may know this by now if they've listened to any number of episodes. One of my least favorite things, Alex, and you know this, is to debate. Yeah, I don't know if we debated, though. We didn't really debate, but it's just a tense topic. It's something we disagree on, you know, and it just like before we recorded this interview a couple weeks ago, I had like the most powerful, intense moment of worship at church on Sunday morning that I think I've ever experienced. So hear me out. So okay. this this eight-month-old girl in our church passed away. So that's brutal to begin with. She lived her entire life in the hospital, mm-hmm. hooked up to machines. I mean, the whole way through. And I mean, just just a really brutal, I mean, sermon. It was depressing. You know, our pastor was saying how he prayed over this little girl and prayed for healing and we know God can heal and God chose not to heal. And what the congregation didn't know is that the parents were there Sunday morning Mm. and not just the parents, the entire family. And at the end of the, um, of the gathering, our pastor had, um, had the family come up. They were willing to come up in front of everybody and he just had the whole church gather around him and pray. It's one of my favorite things that we do at our church. Yeah. Just a literal, literal interpretation of the text, of laying your hands on somebody and praying for them. And so, I mean, well over half the church, I mean, easily 200, 300 people come forward and gathered around this family and just prayed for him. And what was really Powerful. cool for me was our pastor, he, he encouraged us to pray out loud, which is... I'm not good at prayer, Alex. I'm just not. I never have been. And praying out loud for me is uncomfortable. But I'm 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 sitting behind the Father, kind of up on stage, and I lay my hands right on him, and I ask God for God to take His pain and give it to me, dude. I bawled my eyes out, man. It hurt so bad. Gosh. And as I'm praying, man, I I was trying to pray out loud. And I just, 
I, I kept praying. The only thing that would come to my mind was the names of Jesus. It's just like mighty, wonderful, counselor, healer, mm-hmm. helper. I mean, that's all I kept saying out loud. But it was just this intense, super intense and awesome moment of worship. And just to me, that powerful reminder that we're here in service to one another and much greater times of hurt. And it kind of like, uh, I don't know, because I was really like tense going into this conversation. As was cause, I. Because I, like, uh, I don't like these conversations so much. I think they're good and I think they should be had. But you're you but you having, compromise, have, and you would rather see more people. You would rather see more people work together in unity as opposed to fight over. Yes, absolutely. Fight over biblical persuasions. Absolutely, and and I think I'm there too. I mean, there's there's certain things that I'm I'll stand my ground on. But I mean, at the end of the thing, at the end of the day, I think there's things that are first tier things and second tier, third tier uh, things, and things not worth fighting over. And I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not convinced that egalitarianism versus complementarianism is a first tier thing yeah me neither so it's an opinion for me to be quite honest but i don't think it's something that we need to constantly be divided over no but it should be discussed and that's what we do today with a very awesome guest in holly i'm just glad that i had that moment at church just that reminder before this heavy discussion that hey we're here for bigger things Yep, absolutely. Not to not to take away from having the conversation, but just a powerful reminder. Absolutely. But should we crack into this one, man? We these, should. Crack these episodes into it. are lengthy. So let's get into it, guys. <laughs> this is not your pastor's wrapping up feminism episode. guys we're here with holly b from method theology what's up holly hey i'm so excited to be here i'm excited to meet y'all oh my gosh so i have to i have to say this right off the get-go your pulpit uh contribution that you made you are pulpit number two yes and numero dos and uh i i still think after we're we're about 10 or i think we're We're about 10 yeah uh 10 pulpits into this and number two is still my favorite yeah for sure so i'm glad that's really encouraging to me it really did bless me and especially i think it also helped that i was going through like a really dark dark point in my day and then like jason's Mm. like listen to this thing from holly yeah i'm like oh gosh we listened to it in this basement and both cried a little just tears tears yeah Um, that makes me like that that's really good. That lifts me up a whole lot. It really, really does. I appreciate the encouragement. Yeah. So but, for any of our listeners who haven't listened to it yet, like hit pause and then go listen to that pulpit number two <laughs> by Holly. But Holly, not only do you have you contributed to our podcast, but you have your own podcast called I Method do. Theology. I do. I have a co-pod with my buddy, Donna. She is a friend of mine. We've been friends for... Gosh, um, probably four or five years, I think, at this point. Known her for a really long time. Yeah, where's she hiding at? She's not here today with us. No, she's not. Yeah, Donna Donna is working so hard right now. She um, she is struggling in Aruba. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She is. She's struggling so hard. No, she's working at her uncle's music festival right That's now. So she's pretty uh, rare. I couldn't. I couldn't ask her to turn that down. So I've got a couple of weeks where I kind of get to go wild and do what I want with our podcast. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. Nice. Just to say, too, Donna sent in a sermon as well. And we're going to post. She did. Yeah, we're going to post it next week. So we're going to have like a couple of days here of method theology. I'm so proud of her, too. She was so nervous about it. And I'm really, really proud of her. She like she sucked it up and she did it. Yeah, I can't wait to share it with people because I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think a lot of people resonate with exactly where she's at. She is. Donna's one of those people who I don't think understands how smart she is. She's got a lot of wisdom that is constantly blowing me away. And I'm I'm honored to get to do something with her every week because she She's been a huge part of my growth as a human being and as a Christian and as a Jesus follower. She's she and she's so she's so loyal as a friend and as a fellow Christian. I'm I'm really excited for people to hear. A woman of integrity, you might say. She abs- she is she's a woman, a human being, Christian and all of the above of integrity. Uh, and in Aruba. <laughs> and in Aruba. And she has these badass braids while she's in Aruba, which nobody else is going to think is funny, but she will. Yeah. <laughs> so She'll listen and laugh. What is method theology? Oh my gosh. Damn it. For our no. listeners. Like they need to know what what is method theology? Method theology is a party with two uh with two guys who sound like they're from Canada as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Wanna go play hockey, eh? Uh, Canadians are the talk about hockey. I laughed so hard. (laughs) They are the nicest people you will ever meet. Those Canadians. Well, bro, I mean, they they elected Justin Trudeau. So like, he's the friendliest politician ever in the history of anything. We went a couple years ago, we went to um, a hockey game. And the Red Wings were playing the Maple Leafs, the Winter Classic, Alex. Oh, nice. And it's just jam-packed. And there's so many people there from Toronto. And you couldn't move throughout the stadium without bumping into people. It was impossible. And every How last... They say they're sorry. Every last person I bumped into, <laughs> sorry, sorry. And I laughed. I laughed. I never stopped laughing all the way through the concourse. <laughs> it was It was the best. Oh, man. That's awesome. So that's wonderful. <laughs> I can't. We're having so much fun already. So no, like, what are some of the, what's what's some of the stuff you guys do on your show for our, for our listeners? Oh, you you guys know. cover such a wide range of topics. How do you pick your topics? Is it just like whatever's on your mind, or? Uh, usually, usually it's whatever has made us angry that week. <laughs> <laughs> we generally go from there. Whether it's something that we've done ourselves or something that we've seen in society or in the church that has just really broken our hearts or made us angry. Um, but usually it comes from some sort of struggle of being angry at other ourselves or other people. So, but we, um, I don't know. I'm really, I'm, I'm so glad we decided to do this because we decided to do method theology when she and I and another friend of ours, Elisa, who lives in Dallas now, were all spread across the southeast of the states. And we just kept on having these text message conversations that not everybody gets to have. Yeah, They just don't. 
And because Alisa, Alisa is, she's half Mexican and Donna is black and I am white. And therefore we got to have a lot of really interesting conversations that most people don't get to have. Yeah. And, um, Alisa wound up not being able to do it, but every single time we get to get together, I feel like I get to learn something. And we try to focus on having conversations where one of us can teach the other something or both of us can teach the other something. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, you guys get pretty deep, like biblically, like you guys, like the theology is no joke in my opinion. Like I always enjoy listening to you guys. And then every once in a while, it seems like it gets pretty tense. Like it does. And your disagreements. Yeah, we do. Because we, Donna and I also generally believe the exact same thing, but say it differently. Yeah. Like completely. We did an episode a couple of weeks ago where I talked about how living in poverty actually lowers a child's IQ. And Donna and I actually got really into it. I remember that conversation. Uh, we actually had to take out part of that conversation because the episode was so long. And we've been running really, really long on our episodes. But it's, we do. But it comes from a place of respect. And I love that. I love our friendship because even as much as we disagree and we disagree on so much because I come from such a different background than she does. And she comes from a different background than I do. But and so we have different empathies and different understandings. But I'm I love it. I love how much we can argue. And she's still one of my best friends. I adore her. Yeah, it definitely makes for some entertaining listen. Like I I enjoy listening to you guys and I hope our listeners will listen to you as well. Good. I hope so, too. Yeah. And apparently, you know, Alex and I, our podcast is pretty much the same, except we just, you know, two dudes who sound like Canadians, I guess. (laughs) Canadian theology. eh? Yeah, Canadian theology. eh? (laughs) Sorry, Dan Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Hillary McBride. Yeah, we've had some Canadian guests on, (laughs) too. Oh, that's right. Hillary McBride is Canadian. I adored her episode, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we learned a lot. I'm surprised she came on our podcast. What what people don't get to hear in our podcast is me editing out all the dumb silence where where somebody (laughs) says something profound. Somebody will say something profound and then Alex and I will sit quietly for like a full minute. (laughs) (laughs) I'm processing. Yeah. Yeah. That's Alex's go to. I'm just I'm just wow. I'm just processing right now. Don't even worry, Donna and I do that all the time. All the time. It's usually me, though, because I'm the editor. I make myself myself sound much smarter than I actually am. Yeah, same. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Thanks. Anyway, so you guys do something on your show that I love, and I think it's hilarious. Every time you guys do it, I, I just bust out laughing and... <laughs> It's a, it's a segment of your show called Confessions. Yes. So we thought we could hijack that segment for our episode today. And so let's do it, guys. Confessions. Can we insert the music? Yeah. We can. Shh. Don't tell anybody. So who wants to go first in Confessions? Not it. No. Oh. oh, Alex can go first. Yeah. Okay, I will go first. So I was trying to think of what I wanted to say, and... Some people in my close friend circle have heard this story, but um, you, the podcast listeners, probably haven't, most of you at large. <laughs> um, in ninth grade, I had a English teacher, and we had two major book reports that had to be done. And both book reports, I faked them, and I faked them two different ways. 
and got A minuses on both of them. Hell yeah! So, which made which made all my other friends who knew what I was doing extremely jealous and hurtful because they would get like Bs and Cs and whatnot. So this is what I did the the first one. Uh, we went to the library. Didn't know I couldn't find a book that I liked to write my book report on. So I I watched a movie, my one of my favorite movies, still one of my favorite movies, called Rio Bravo, starring John Wayne, and I wrote a book report based off of that movie, and got an a minus on it from the movie. <laughs> yeah, nice. from the movie. And second one, uh, I went to the a library again when we had to go to the library pick a book. I picked a book like a it's a World War II novel. I'm sh- I'm showing my man card way too soon. I I did a book report on World John, War II. John, John Wayne and John and World Wayne. War II. Hey, man, I was raised by my dad from Texas, Southern Baptist preacher. You're good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I did. I started reading the book, and I was like, "Yeah, this book is really boring." So I just finished the book report by borrowing different themes from different World War II movies and <laughs> and got an A minus on it. So. Thanks, Mrs. Ware. You know what does make me mad is I remember being in ninth grade and selecting Betty Crocker's cookbook to do a book report on. What? Betty Crocker's cookbook. Like, it was just like, it was was a cookbook. How do you do a book report on that? Well, uh, not good enough because I didn't, I got a C on it for not. (laughs) Still a passing grade, my friend. She said I would have got an A. She said I would have got an A had I actually cook something but i didn't, <laughs> didn't. <laughs> oh my gosh jason what's Wait, your was yours, was yours like the orange the big orange cookbook i think it it might have been orange i think it was red okay well my mom had a big like orange betty crocker cookbook yeah it's like this massive binder style like yeah no you i'm are... with you how did you summarize that though i don't i don't remember i just remember <laughs> being disappointed i got a c on it for not cooking something <laughs> What about you, Jason? What's your confession? Other um, than the fact of your Betty Crocker experience. Yeah, no, I thought of a lot of them, but probably the most recent, because it happened again the other day, and it happens often, is I cry at the end of movies. What? And uh, like, Oh, no, like, no shame. No, no shame. You're in company. No, the movies, though. Oh. Like, <laughs> I'm watching Cool Runnings. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and... And when they picked up their bobsled to carry it across the finish line, I I freaking lost it with all my kids. Like, well, I was watching it with my boys. It's good for them to see their and dad like, cry. Though. I'm not like like audibly crying, but like tears are like running down my face and my throat hurts real bad. And another another one was I do this all the time and it's not like it's not like dramas. It's freaking like. Harry and the Hendersons was another one. When he has to say goodbye to Harry? Yes. When he says, just leave, damn it. And he smacks him. I freaking bawled, man. It's like you can't. He was part of the family, man. I did the same thing at the end of the new Pete's Dragon. The whole movie wasn't that, that was good. was one, too, dude. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Maybe I don't feel as bad now because I, I cried company. at the end of Pete's You're Dragon. You're in good company, my friend. I once, did a, uh, I once did a confession about how I cry at the end of any movie that includes an animal dying. Or even when they don't, when they just get hurt, even if I've seen it five times, like Homeward Bound. When I watched that hurt. with my daughter the other day. Uh, yeah, so and, and when Shadow when Shadow comes up over that hill and Peter sees yeah. him, it's like, <gasps> like tears was, of joy just that was another up. one. <laughs> I cry when he falls through the boards by the yeah. train track 
And it's like, oh I've gosh. seen it God knows how many times. He's not going to make every it. time, just tears. I was like <laughs> in the kitchen. My dad's watching it with our dog because our dog barks at mm. other dogs on screen. And I'm in the kitchen just sobbing. <laughs> like just sobbing quietly to myself. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't judge you for that. I have a t-shirt that says, I don't care who dies in the movie so long as the dog lives. Nice. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like, I'm okay with more men dying. That Like, if they killed the dog, like in uh, I Am oh, Legend, yeah. oh. when he when he kill, had to kill his dog, Mm-mm. I was done. I didn't oh. care that Will Smith died. Another one. <laughs> We watched Castaway the other day, and when Wilson was floating away, I, I freaking lost it on that. It's like that's his best friend. <laughs> like, I was so upset. Like, all right, one of my kids is bound to inherit that. I hope so. Uh, I hope. I hope all of your children inherit that. It'll make them a better person. I think it. I think it's good Possibly. for men to cry. Jesus yeah, wept. Did. Jesus wept, guys. Jesus Come on. Did. It's theological. <laughs> Jesus didn't weep at Wilson floating away, I Alex. I have my t-shirt that says, I don't care who dies in a movie so long as the dog lives. <laughs> I just want Jesus wept on the back. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, Holly, it's your turn. Damn it, I forgot. <laughs> uh, I got so distracted. <laughs> Um, oh, that's right. Okay, so my confession is a little bit similar to Alex's in the sense that mine has to do with something that I did to get a good grade, but mine was in the last like week and a half. (laughs) So (laughs) I am a full-time student in addition to working a full-time job and doing the podcast with Donna. And I recently had a test in my social problems class at my university where I just did not have tons of time to prep. So in order to get past it, I had done research on my professor before starting the class, and I knew that she was a hardcore feminist. So in my final answer, I referenced the Hulu show. um, Oh, the new Hulu show, The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, okay. So Handmaid's Tale is basically about what happens if we kind of let everything that's happening right now slide and it just goes to the most extreme, like, slippery slope consequence possible. So, like, women are enslaved to have children and that is pretty much all they are good for. That's it. That's the entire thing. So I answered it in my final question after getting another question wrong and she emails me back and she says, I'm giving you full credit because your answers are just, there's such a joy to read. I actually read The Handmaid's Tale as a book when I was in graduate school, and it just, it changed my life, and it was great. And I got the email back, and I was like, I feel dirty inside, (laughs) but I got an A, so I'm okay with it. So that's my confession for this week. So you use the ideology of women getting ahead to get ahead? I did. I did. It's a very complex, like, manipulation of my own ideology. It's like Inception. I don't, I don't feel that your and Alex's confession are real confessions, because you came out like winners in both, like, in <laughs> both incidents. So, I mean, I cried during freaking Cool Runnings, and you guys cheated on a book <laughs> report and got an A. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but 
I mean, technically, that could have threw off my whole, you know, college career at Mott Community College. Yeah. <laughs> I went there seven years, Jason. Some people should be doctors by then. I have an associate's. I was going to say, lots of people go to college for seven years. They're called doctors. Community College for five. <laughs> I couldn't do what you do, Holly. I had to. I I did two semesters be working full time and going to school full time, and I was like, man, I just really want to be in a band. So I went down to taking like a class a semester. <laughs> no, I did that my last couple of semesters for community college. I was the same way because I was um I acted and I sang for ten years. That was what I did. I was a theater major before I switched sociology. Wow, awesome. So that's what I did. Man, so now we're gonna talk about something super biblical talking about our societies with the sociologists yeah. basically i feel i feel like i'm unprepared um, now. i'm not a sociologist yet i'm like barely a junior in training <laughs> sociologist padawan yeah. that's what we call you there you go i'm down with that i'm good with that because i feel like hillary mcbride is like far more of a sociologist than i am <laughs> she's far more of a sociologist than most people are <laughs> God, she's great. She made me so happy when she talked about the different waves in feminism. Uh, that like, was... I was in a hotel opening a new grocery store, the grocery store chain that I work for, and I was listening to it in the bathroom. And I was just like, yes, Hillary McBride, yes. <laughs> That's the most feedback we've gotten on that show so far, like personally, like when she talks about the waves of, uh, the waves of feminism, mm-hmm. like it blew my, I didn't know there were waves. Like Alex and I are yeah. doing this whole feminism month as, you know, just two dudes trying to learn about feminism. And right. when she went into that, it's like, holy crap, that explains a lot. Like Nesto, when I went to the jail with him on Friday, mm-hmm. he's like, when she broke into the like waves, I was like, I can get behind that. Yeah, that's, that's there's actually there's a fourth wave as well. So there's a whole lot in feminism. What's the fourth wave? Um, I am not super educated on. I can Google it and tell you, but I, uh, I am not. I'm still learning. I don't want to say so. that I have a handle on the waves, but I, I was doing some research after she said that, and I'm kind of like, I don't. I'll I'll show my cards right now. I'm yeah. a, I the first wave, cool. Second wave, yeah. not a hundred percent agreement, but some things good. Okay. Third wave, meh. <laughs> I, I i'm not i'm not a huge fan of the third wave to be quite honest i didn't do any okay. like additional research but the, on that's that. why i'm curious of if if the if the fourth wave is in reaction to what the third wave failed it's at. not oh it's not um but i don't yeah no i just don't feel comfortable enough in my knowledge to actually like speak about it but i fall similarly to where she does except i'm a i'm slightly more third wave than she is but i'm i'm more of a second wave feminist as well interesting but i think also whenever you're coming from a biblical christian perspective you're not gonna align 100 percent with anything that the secular world is trying to interpret as justice yeah but i would agree with that yeah but but i would also support there are things i support politically that i don't support personally so it's the same sort of boat for me. Very, very interesting. All of this stuff. Well, what we're going to do today for our listeners is we're going to get into After this... that long intro. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to get <laughs> Which into... Which I just lectured Donna about. <laughs> <laughs> 
we are going to get into complementary versus egalitarianism. Did I say them right? Because I keep saying them wrong. Complementarianism and egalitarianism. Now, Jason, I will give you $50 if you can spell each of them without looking at your paper. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I'll yeah. Just kidding. I don't have $50 to give. No. Um, <laughs> but I was like, my f- it's it's nice that my iPhone knows how to spell it because I can't. So... <laughs> So we are we're wrapping up our fem- feminism series. Is this our last week? This is our last week of it. So we had Jess on, we had Hillary McBride on, we, we had Pastor, Pastor Alice. Alice last week, mm-hmm. and now we are closing it out with Holly from Method Theology, and we're gonna get we're gonna get biblical, Alex. Let's get biblical, Jason. Let's get biblical, <laughs> biblical. <laughs> I wanna get biblical. <laughs> Oh, gosh. It's like a bad 80s song turned into a worse podcast theme. So before before we get like, we before we hammer into some Bible verses here, which we really don't do on our show, do we? Is this the first time we're like really hammering into no, some? No, we've done it before. This is the first time, though, I sent you an outline said we're covering these like four or five verses study. Okay. So, and I studied like two of them, and then I yeah. was like, "Can I add these five? Yeah, <laughs> I, I got I got another same boat. But before we get too deep into it, we should probably define what each is. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good good thing because here's one of the things. It was funny, like in our very first episode, Jess was talking about egalitarianism, and she used the, she used the word compliment, and I was like, mm-hmm. "That sounds like complementarianism, Jess, because especially the phrase the phrase the phrases that you're using." And so I think there's a lot of similarities between the two, but I do think there are some distinct differences. So I think it is wise for us to maybe define what we think they are and what they probably actually are. Yeah, and you and I were mm-hmm. were taking a pastor's class with about 20 other dudes, and probably three of them knew even what the two viewpoints even were. Which is so bizarre to me. Yeah, and I will say, I will say this, and I, I kind of like that. Because I would say most of these most of these dudes aren't chauvinist pigs. Like they're they're pretty. Res- oh yeah, I would agree with that. They're I don't pretty know res- these guys, but I would agree with that completely yeah. within the context of the church. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, these were like these are pretty good dudes, and I get kind of excited the fact that they're good dudes and they don't know the definitions. Like, like they're not good dudes because they feel societal pressure to be so. Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're practicing it. That's why. They, right. they can't even recognize it because they're practicing um, not being an a-hole to their wives, like, more or less. That's a good uh, thing. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> so we probably should, though, for some of our listeners, I, I think a lot of people possibly don't even know what the two are. So what is complementarianism, Alex? So... Do you want me to answer this question, yeah, or Holly, do you want to answer this no, question? Either, either or. Mm-hmm. I can, oh, well, I would say that complementarianism is <clears throat> the belief that each specific gender has a role to fill, and that each specific gender has a place where they, they are allowed in the church, and whether, where they are specifically gifted within the church, but with very strict delineations. So what would you say? I would actually, my, my definition uh, is very similar to that. 
uh, and I got this definition from an online source, which is funny. Jason and I were talking about it. We were reading a bunch of our our articles on complementarianism and egalitarianism, and all the articles mm-hmm. that I read on complementarianism were written by a woman. And all the <laughs> and all of the articles that Jason read uh, on egalitarianism were written by a man. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So good times. In, in, interesting. So this this author, I can't remember her. I want to say her name was Mary Cassis. I, I okay. think I'm probably pronouncing her last name wrong. But this is her definition. I really liked it. It said God created male and female to reflect complementary truths about Jesus. That was her basic. Okay. Basic, very short summary of what it means, and basically, and she broke it down a little bit further, saying that there, God created men uh, in a certain way to reflect certain truths and to reflect the glory of God in a certain way that women cannot. And then that, that truth is vice versa for women that God created women a certain way to reflect certain truths about the glory of God in a way that men cannot, Okay. which I think sounds pretty similar to your, what you just said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they sound similar. Now I do want to delineate something because as, as I was doing the research, what complementarianism isn't, isn't traditionalism. Because traditionalism is yeah. is where I think we get into the problem of like, no, women are supposed to do this, and there's okay. no there is no grounds for reversing that. Like the idea that women are only supposed to be homemakers and only own their only worth is to be mothers and to give birth and to make sure the kitchen's clean. I would say that's not okay. a complementarian view. If if you if you claim to be if you claim that view and call yourself a complementarian, I would probably say no, you're more of a traditionalist and a jerk. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, Wait, hold up. Hold up. Which one of you is the one who claims not to be a feminist? Me. Alex. It's you. Alex. Ha Okay. This is where, yeah, no, this is where we get into the difference, too. That is where we get to the difference. Because complimentary, and actually, I think you and I will probably agree about something we're going to talk about later in the episode. Okay. Um, complimentarianism as a theology represents the assigned roles within the church. Right. But those, because I agree with you because I don't think that complementarianism and egalitarianism, I don't, I don't think they're an argument, but I think the church has presented them to be as such. That's interesting. It is really interesting. Yeah. So before we get heavy into it, what's egalitarianism? And why can't I just freaking say it right? You've said it right so far. <laughs> it's, better, it. it's better than yeah, last. But job, each time I I'm say it right, you. each time I say it right, I'll be honest, it's a full-blown accident. <laughs> like that, It's better than last mean? week when you called the Eagleton a yeah, that's fictitious usually... town in Pawnee. <laughs> you know what? It just felt to me like an American expression of egalitarianism. <laughs> the freedom from gender roles. Yeah. It's an eagle. It's flying. It's free. It's great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I would say that egalitarianism is the consideration for the fact that genders have the ability to express themselves in the same way. There are women who are, because there's also a difference, sociologically speaking, between sex and gender. So people are born as either male or female, but masculine and feminine are gender. And those are entirely sociologically developed. 
So they are developed and determined by society, as in women are expected to be a certain way, men are expected to be another way. So men are expected to be masculine, which would be like they're the leader, they're the they're loud, they're dominant, they're strong, and women are submissive and they're meek and they're domestic. That's feminine. So egalitarianism allows for women to be masculine and men to be feminine hmm. in the sociological sense. So would you say that the in egalitarianism that the that the roles could be reversed or that there's more fluidity between the between uh, the certain but, precon, preconceived uh, gender roles? Yes. Okay. Probably, yes. That's where I would have the disconnect as a as a complementarian. So the mm-hmm. husband and wife could could have roles, but not necessarily as a complementary would see them biblically defined. So you might have a. You might have, like, for say, like women pastors in an egalitarian church. Correct. Okay. Correct. And you could have a stay at home dad. Yeah. See, that's for me, that's not a problem. As far as, like, as a complementarian, as, like, so one of the things that I think is really interesting, um, and we're kind of jumping into it a little, maybe a little too quickly. So, like, when, when Paul meets up with Lydia, right? Right. And Philip, or, yeah, Philippi. And his first response isn't, why are you running this business selling purple goods? He, he first tells her about Jesus. And we, and we know that she's, she's, she's a businesswoman, but she has a household that she's taking care of. So, I mean, I don't know if she has a husband or not. I mean, the Bible doesn't say if she does or not. But the fact that Paul didn't first say, well, wait a second, you need to not be a businesswoman. You need to be just a regular woman. That would make me, that would make me think, uh, well, she can have a business. She can be a working mom per se, and that's that's biblically fine. That's biblically mm-hmm. permissible. So for for a man to come up and say, "I'm the breadwinner. I have to work, and there's no possible way for you to work, wife, because you need to stay home and take care of the kids." My wife is an awesome photographer. She is a way better photographer at, than me being a machinist. If she could mm-hmm. make more money. It, and eventually, I, I'm I've all confidence that eventually, once she builds her photography business, she will make more money than me. I have <laughs> I have no problem staying at home. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that's where there's some there's some assumed um, stereotypes about complementarianism, and that's why I think I had to make I think I have to make the distinction that their traditionalism and complementarianism are different. Side note: Your wife is an amazing photographer. She took our family's <laughs> pictures. And if you would like to get your pictures, if you live in the uh, Flint or Genesee County area, oh, thanks, please man. go to shaunaryanphotography.com. She'll take your pictures. She's really good. Like, I'm serious. <laughs> That's why I say she's better at photography than I am at a machinist. But just right now, She's building her business, and she's going to get there. No, that's that's interesting what you say, because I I know some people who would totally say there is no way I'm staying at home because that I know a lot of people who that is not the role never staying at home. Yeah. And you know what? One of my primary arguments about that is so my mom passed away when I was eight years old and I was predominantly raised by my dad. And my dad raised a really strong woman. Mm-hmm. I saw what my dad did in the home. Yeah. Nobody can ever tell me that men don't belong in the home. Ever. Yeah. 
ever because I saw how my dad raised me and I was a difficult child. I was not a fun child to raise on any level. Like there was nothing nice or fun about me. It just wasn't. I just, it bothers me what the, the, the degree of condescension that people have towards men's child rearing skills it's I may not be as organized as children who are raised by their mother or women who are raised by their mother, but I am far more aware of my beliefs and I am far more confident in who I am and what I think and my pursuit of knowledge and truth than, than most of the people that I know. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're saying your dad was thrust into a role like he didn't have a choice into it. He didn't at all. And it was and my family is complicated. Like we had my dad got remarried and I had a really bad relationship with my stepmom and they wound up getting divorced. Um, And he was thrust into a situation where he was in depression and I was in depression at different points in time. We were both suicidal. And. I mean, my dad had to deal with me when I when I started puberty. My dad had to deal with me when I went on my first date. And I mean, my dad and I didn't get along. We still we disagree about so much, but his influence developed a lot of who I am as a woman. Hmm. I think it's important. Yeah. I mean, it's. God, it's so important. It's so, so important. And I think society as a whole, I mean, even including if you look into the the, the fact that, that women generally get um, custody of children and you have men who are required to pay child support, but they aren't allowed to see their kids. And then they wind up going to jail because they have a low income job um, and they can't pay child support and they never get to see their children and they wind up in jail for the rest of their lives. Or the fact that there's just a feminine bias in, in in the judicial system where women always get custody of the children. Always. Yeah. I, I, it's not right. I mean, I know this isn't part of our conversation, but since we're kind of talking about it, like just the importance of dads playing that role. And I would, I would say that the idea of traditionalism is harmful to that ideology that no dads need to be home dads need to be present dads need to be seen doing the dishes and cooking dinner and helping helping mom out in her traditional you know motherly roles That's doing those things I always, I always make a point of that like yeah you know one of the stories i tell all the time is when i was four or five years old it was in the early 90s i was born in 88 i think it was in the democratic primary where bill clinton wound up getting the nod and getting his first election um after playing the saxophone like a boss that <laughs> sorry <laughs> i didn't mean to derail you <laughs> um, hold on wait no okay no it was his it was his second election because in the first election, I remember we were living in a certain house. There was a woman in the primary, in the Democratic primary. So I was probably four. I was, I was probably five. Five? I don't know. I'm not sure. Whatever. I was really young. And we were 
watching the news. My dad was sitting behind me in the living room and I looked on the screen and there were all of these men and there was a woman and I'd already seen one election where Bill Clinton got elected in 92. And I looked and I saw the woman and I said out loud, there's a woman running for president. And my dad behind me said, yeah, a woman can do anything a man can do. So at four or five, six years old, I had already seen so many men in politics that to me, it was just obvious, like only men can be in politics, obviously. I mean, because that's all I've seen. That's it. And my dad was the one who pointed out, no, it's just because that's who's run. That's who's been empowered to do so. Women can do anything that a man can do. Yeah. Okay. So your dad sounds pretty rad. My dad is badass. Like, my dad is awesome. I love my dad. I love him so much. It's been him and me since I was eight years old. That is... That is really cool. That is cool. So, as you're studying sociology, so as a future sociologist, would you say this is like... Is this a church issue stemming from... Uh, what the church is teaching about these gender roles are, is this something that comes from the family? Like as individual families who have this notion of like, you know what? My dad taught me that the dad goes to work and the dad makes the money and the wife stays home. Or is it the church teaching? No, the husband goes to work. The husband makes the money and the wife stays home. Where, where's the main push coming from? Is it coming from the, from family tradition, as Alex was kind of pointing out, <laughs> traditionalists, or is it coming from the church? Well, I would say that it's predominantly coming from the church, but I would also say that traditionalism is largely coming from the church. I don't think it's coming from the family, because I think the majority of men want their daughters to go to college, because it's shown that women who go to college, they're far less likely to be in an abusive relationship. It shows hmm. that they're far less likely to get divorced. Um, I think the majority of men want their daughters to be educated. They want them to be independent in case their spouse dies, in case they get divorced. Um, I think everything that I have been influenced by as far as, and also my dad was a Southern Baptist preacher. So I have a unique perspective on that because my dad is actually a complementarian. So he and I disagree on that. And he was also the one who pushed me towards my egalitarian views Interesting. through his complementarianism. That is, so, that's it. We're going to have to dig into that maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, the things. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it largely comes from the church and I think it's largely, I think it's largely rooted in this perceived necessity to interpret the Bible in a certain way. I, and i to preface, I am not a theologian. I have not been to seminary. I am not a pastor. I am just a person who has read the Bible. <clears throat> but the Bible to me is a collection of letters. It is a scrapbook of people who knew Jesus personally, people who preceded Jesus, and and Paul, who just kind of got tossed into the mix. Yeah. Um, it's not... Everybody says, so the Bible is the inspired word of God. And for some reason, we take that to mean everything is meta. Everything is written in mind of everything else that is written. And that is not necessarily the case. So the church, as a result, has pushed this as one cohesive book that was written at one point in time with no distinct cultural references. And I don't think that's correct. Hmm. 
Yeah, you're almost getting into um, the topic of inerrancy. Which I technically subscribe to, just not in the way that the church professes it. So the topic about tradition and it's the church promulgating that tradition. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I fully agree with that. Okay. I, I think that the church may have... Well, maybe... Okay, hold on. Back a track a second. I want to <laughs> correct that even. I think the church, especially in its in its maybe earlier stages, miss... What do you mean by earlier stages? I'm trying to think of how back maybe... How far back it goes. But You can I, be vague. Like 700 years versus 200 years. Well, like when... Whenever... America Church, not American Church. <laughs> before, even before that, because all throughout history, I mean, it's it, you can look at history, and you can you can see that all throughout history, uh, even in Jesus's day, even in uh, the writing during the times of the writing of the New Testament, that women were treated as second class citizens. There's right. no doubt about that. Um, I'll fight anybody who says otherwise. <laughs> But come to blows, Alex. Yeah, I'm just playing. I have a daughter now, and I'm ready just to fight anybody. (laughs) And uh, amazing what that does, right? It does. It's it's weird. (laughs) Just I understand wrath more fully now. (laughs) Um, but I feel like what Paul was trying to get at was to break some of those traditions in the light of the gospel. And anything that we and, and a good example of this is the whole the the slavery issue. Um, if we if if Americans in the seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth century would have been reading their Bibles more correctly, in the whole light of Scripture, the slavery issue would not it wouldn't have happened. And and right. we have evidence of that with the abolitionist movement in the North, right. and then you have just really bad, very selfish. Uh, people in the south that just read their bibles out of context or they were evil i don't want to assume no, anything no you're saying where holly's at right down south and we are the correct up here <laughs> close to canada uh, obviously even though i can totally tell stories about folks from just the past few decades who have dealt with shit in the north <laughs> anyway alex keep going <laughs> so i think i think some of these traditional kind of gender roles that we we kind of ascribe to were probably mis were misread from the scripture, but I don't think they're all a hundred percent not true. So, like for me exa- as an example, and like I don't think women should be pastors according to my reading of the scripture. You don't <gasps> really? Nope. Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> just made Holly so it. excited. Like, so what? How about this? How about we take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll get more into this? Yeah, that sounds great. Hey guys, normally in the break we read our 5 star reviews, but we didn't have any new ones this week. So, here's some soothing music to get us through this very tense moment in the conversation that frankly is just really uncomfortable. So, Alex, you can't do that to people. You can't say, I'm sorry, I don't think women should be pastors. Let's go to a break. <laughs> like, 
that's not right, dude. Just Shady leave people pale. Yeah, leave people hanging. <laughs> so that's my number on the Enneagram, whatever that number is. Yeah, <laughs> leave leave people hanging. Y'all, after you talked about that, I totally took the Enneagram test. <laughs> but I did the same score in like four different categories, so I was like, eh, fish. <laughs> so I don't I'll, know. I still haven't taken it. I will say, Alex, I am. Like this is in another area where you and I differ, and it's funny. But when we started this podcast, you and I both said we don't really differ on a whole lot of things. No, we don't. And as we get deeper and deeper into the podcast, I kind of find that we find more stuff that we differ on. Dun, and, it, dun, dun. and it's okay. Yeah, it's it's totally cool. That's why so, we did like, that episode. If you, that's why I wanted to do that episode before we got into the feminist month yeah. about agreeing to disagree because it's going to come up, and especially on, on a topic that's so polarizing as feminism. Yeah. So I I will apologize off the bat to women pastors everywhere. Five years ago, I would have said, you all going to hell and your church is going yeah. to hell too. Like I would have you been there. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not there. I'm, I'm, I'm not there. I, I, I was there five years ago. I'm not anymore. I, to, to Right now, I am totally inclusive of women pastors. Like we can't get enough of them. I'm, I'm, I'm in the boat of uh, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. You know what? If a woman has a calling from God that she needs to be a pastor, you know what? You better respond to that calling and be a pastor. And I find support for that biblically now that I didn't find before. And to your point, Alex, if I take the text and I read it on a surface level, which is why I loved Pastor Alice's response to being a woman pastor, she didn't have a whole lot of pushback to it. She didn't because... That's in there, and it's been there for 2,000 years. And when we read it, yes. But I agree with her. It also says a lot of other stuff, too. Mm-hmm. And so, like I what? mean, maybe you maybe like find... We'll get into it here okay. in a minute, because we're going to get... We're going to get biblical, Alex. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I like how challenging your face is right now, Alex. Like, what, what do you mean by that? I, I don't understand. <laughs> There's like a... Like a, I can't wait. It's gonna be great. I this is something I had a lot of anxiety over, because I know that my position isn't popular, especially right now. Um, I feel like everybody's kind of going the way of inclusion of female pastors, and I'm whatever. Everybody has an opinion. Just to let you know, if if I read the Bible at some point and got convicted that female pastors weren't a thing, I would still follow Jesus. Yeah. Right. So like I don't I I applaud you for following your conviction. Mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with you not being in favor of Well, thank you, pastors. Holly. I, I That's appreciate not that. That's my thing because yeah. Jesus Jesus trumps all. Yeah, and I totally agree with Pastor Alice in our conversation last week where she just said just say the thing. Yeah. And that's what you're doing right now and that's what needs to be done. If more people said what they thought and what they believed, I think we'd be in a much better position. That's how you find truth, man. Exactly. And like, if, you don't find truth unless you're willing to represent your truth. Yeah. And if everybody just falls into the same thing, then that's kind of scary too. Like that's petrifying. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how we wind up. I'm not going to talk about it because we had like BT dubs. I, I messaged all about this, but I really appreciated your conservative versus liberal, I guess. Yeah. Uh, podcast. Because I have a lot of friends. I I'm I grew up 
Southern and conservative. My whole family is conservative, barring maybe two people other than myself. Um, and that's including like far extended family, like like distant relatives. Um, that matters a lot to me. Yeah. I live in. I'm. I am a liberal who lives in South Carolina. Like, and I love my Republican friends. I love my conservative friends. It matters to me. It's so important. And what they say is so important because nobody's right. Yeah. Nobody is 100% right. So here's where we get into the Bible stuff, guys. (laughs) And for the next two hours, Jason, Holly, and I discuss... uh, the biblical grounds on support for egalitarianism versus complementarianism and it gets lengthy yeah and we're gonna include that in a separate podcast uh just to not consume so much of your time but here is a little clip of how this thing ended with us all exhausted (laughs) we may just have to chalk this one up to agree to disagree think that's the most the, the most loving thing we can do right now for the moment for the moment <sighs> I'm are really you sorry how <laughs> mad are you at me right now me no i'm asking jason that question i know oh, i know okay. your position no we're, cool. we're tight no, pretty pretty mad when I wanted to start with First Timothy Timothy and we went to Genesis for forty minutes. <laughs> solid I, solid Genesis for forty minutes before we went back to Genesis for another thirty five. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's a pivotal text, Jason. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but um. Okay, guys. So after our Bible discussion ended. We ended up talking even longer with Holly. See, for another hour or so. Yeah. So Alex and I, it was our, it was our plan and our intention, after this whole feminism series, to kind of discuss and dissect where we landed. And Holly wanted to join us for that conversation, and she starts off by giving us some analysis of where she thinks you are at, Alex. So let's let's play that. To me, refusing and I whether you mean this or not, because I, I I'm I'm fairly sure, like within a like point zero one percent shadow of a doubt that you don't mean this. I think that a lot of men who love women and support women and think women should be treated equally, when they refuse to identify with the term feminism, what they're saying is it's more important to me that I disassociate from these women who are from a Nazis than it is to me that I support the women that I love who just want to be treated as equal human beings. And that's very like the fact that my dad won't identify as a feminist because there are feminazis who have usurped the term, just like assholes, like the Westboro Baptist church have usurped the term Christian. Christian. Absolutely. Like, I wish my dad, because my dad is a feminist. My dad thinks a woman can be president. I don't need him to think that a woman can be a pastor because that's religion. That's not society. That's not value. That is a difference of a matter. And even like, uh, 
Gloria Steinem and Aldridge can kiss my ass because <laughs> they have denounced like neurological studies about how women and men are neurologically chemically different and that's bullshit because they are and they viewed them as attacks on women and that's bullshit i mean they've talked about how like men like how women stay in abusive relationships for longer because they have more oxytocin released during sex like there are neurological differences there just are and it frustrates me that my dad cannot identify as a feminist because Women like Aldridge and Steinem have usurped the definition of this term and turned it into something that it is not. Because feminism is about the equality. And it's so frustrating to me because my dad believes I can be president if I want to be. He always has since I was four years old. What w- that makes him a feminist. What would you say the end goal of feminism from a Christian context would be? What's the end goal? For me, it's the idea of having a daughter who doesn't have to worry about being determined by how she looks. Hmm. Because I've been very lucky for a long time. But eventually I won't be. Eventually I will be wrinkled and I will be overweight. And the thing is, just because I have good genetics, there's no guarantee that my daughter will. Yeah. And there are many when many many men who think that I'm pretty who want to sleep with me, but who have no interest in what I think or what I have to say. Hmm. And there are many men who think that I owe them something for their compliments and I don't owe them something for their cat calls I don't I don't owe them for their free drinks I don't want their free drinks To me, feminism is just men saying that's bullshit. I don't like having to go to a bar knowing that I'm going to be called a bitch because I turned down a free drink because I know that with that free drink comes the obligation of my time. I don't like knowing that I didn't get promoted more than once because a boss thought he was being a gentleman by not putting me at risk. But if I want to be at risk, if I'm willing to close down a bar by myself, that's my choice. I lost money because male owners of bars didn't want a single woman closing down their bar. But if a man with a gun wants to rob a bar, he's gonna rob a bar. And if I want to risk getting raped, that's my choice. That's something that I have to live with as the quote-unquote weaker vessel. I'm okay with that. I accept that. That's my choice to accept, 
not his. So, I think you're a feminist, Alex. I do. In the truest sense of the word. Fuck Steinem and fuck Aldrich. They don't define feminism. What defines feminism is viewing women as equal to men. Point blank. Uh, I don't know what to say. Honestly, don't. Within a church context, would would I be out of line in saying the end goal of feminism is to have the very definition of the word feminist absorbed into the definition of Christianity in that we are equal? Like equality, like the the end goal of feminist feminism is to erase the enough awareness from a Christian context that that we don't have to use the word feminist feminist anymore because it's just part of Christianity. That would be great. Yeah, to me, that's the way I that's that's how I see the that's end the way goal. it should be. And 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 Alex, I don't want to speak for you. But I think you're kind of already at that point where you you see such an equality there at the end goal that you're like, hey, what's this term feminism? What's going on over here in the feminist corner of the world? And maybe you're not aware of all the battles and all the fights and all the arguments and all the catcalling and all the shame and everything that's projected on women, on women. I guess the reason why I don't identify as a feminist and I I do not I don't like the term because of the feminazis Holly that that is part yeah. that is part of it but the reason why I don't is because of my interpretation of what it means to be a Christian it means that men okay let me backtrack a little bit that the fact that Jesus would affectionately call most of the women that he came into contact with daughters and spend enormous amounts, exorbitant amounts of time with them to hear them, to heal them, to tell them about the good news. I view that as being part of a Christian. I view that as being I view that as part of Jesus speaking very harshly to men to knock it the crap out with how we treat our daughters and our wives and our mothers and our grandmothers. You would even say like that is becoming more Christ-like when we look at the person of Jesus. And and that's why primarily I don't and part of the reason why I I mean maybe inadvertently trying to advance women's equality this way, but the way that I do ministry in the way that I lean towards ministry is I want to disciple men. And one of the main things, especially when I did my very first lesson series on Jesus and how we need to emulate our lives as men after Jesus is I spent a whole lesson talking specifically about women and said, we got to knock this crap off. 
the way we treat women, the cat calls, the pornography, all that stuff needs to stop now because that is not how Jesus treated women. So to you, Christianity is synonymous with what feminism is when you disregard the quote-unquote feminazi stuff, right? I would... That just falls in line with Jesus, as in women are people. They deserve to be treated as human beings and not just sexual objects. Not just sexual objects, but again, I have a, a really hard time identifying with that term. And I've had other people say the same thing to me. I have a really hard time at identifying with that term because, especially with second wave feminism, and I know I know you're a second wave feminist and you probably don't agree with this, but they, they fought for abortion rights. And also the feminazis that you've described earlier. And so those are largely, uh, yeah, yeah, continue. Sorry. So no, that, and that's, that's where I would end. The reason why I, I can't do that. And the, and the reason why I don't identify or I won't, I don't use that term for my life is because I do think actions speak louder than words. And I also think that those actions were given to me as a man and I bawled my eyes out today listening to a sermon on Psalm 128. So everybody go home and read that. And listening (laughs) to the pastor talk about how his dad treated his mom. And I bawled my eyes out and I told Shauna, I said, I want my my wife, Shauna, I said, I want you to listen to this sermon and I want you to hold me to this standard. And she said, I will. And so I don't identify with that term mainly because before that term was even invented, this is what God had planned for me to be. And, and I would, I would say there's a new term rising with the Christian caveat, the Christian feminist. There is a new wave feminist, uh, pro-life feminist movement that's happening. And I'm, I'm pro-choice. I was pro-choice before I found scriptural basis for uh, condoning abortion. Uh, But there is a pro-choice feminism move, or pro-life, pardon me, pro-life feminism movement that is happening right now. It's called New Wave Feminism. Very interesting. But... Yeah, maybe that's something I subscribe. I mean, I I don't know the the exact definition of it. Basically, it's we believe they believe in the gender wage gap. They believe in feminism, except they don't support legal abortion. More or less, that's that's basically it. Yeah, it's the Christian version of the feminist movement. Um, and the only reason. Honestly, even if I didn't believe in abortion as a legitimate choice, which I do because of Exodus scripture, even if I didn't, it's just to me an extension of Pauline theology. It makes sense to me being pro-choice in terms of Pauline theology. Um, I think the church should be doing a better job of showing up at Planned Parenthood and saying, look, I'll adopt your baby. I will pay your prenatal bills. 
But regardless, I just, I don't, I don't need my dad to think that I have a right to being ordained and I don't need my dad to think that I have a right to an egalitarian marriage. I, I don't define feminism based off of what any other human being says. I base it off of what Jesus says. And that, that's something I can get behind. Holly, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had a ball. I would love to come back absolutely anytime for any reason. And we'd certainly love to have you back. Holly, thank you very much. My pleasure. Absolutely. My wife just texted me, are you coming home or nah? (laughs) (laughs) Tell her I say hello. I will do that. (laughs) All right. I'll let you go. All right. Thanks, Holly. See you, Holly. Bye. My pleasure. Thank you all. Bye. So that's it, Alex. It is finished. Our feminism series has... Tetelestai! (laughs) For all you Greek students out there. Oh my gosh. So nerdy. Finn. It's it's final. We we finished it, Jason. Yeah. So... I hope I hope people I hope people here's here's my here's my hope. Yeah. My hope was if you're not exactly on board with feminism, which that's where I, that's where I line up with. I'm not exactly on board with it, okay? I wouldn't even call myself a feminist. But I at least got to hear perspectives from women who are feminists and who aren't dumb about it. Can I say that? Yeah. And so that's where I'm kind of landing. And so again, part of this part of the project, part of this podcast is hearing different perspectives from people and hearing other people's just opinions on issues and not just shutting them down because you may disagree with them. So yeah, that's where I'm at. And then also if you are a feminist, I hope this was a a whole month to encourage you and hopefully guide you in some sort of right direction maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for me personally, I mean, I've, I've said it before. I said it from episode one that I would consider myself a feminist and I would say more so a feminist Padawan uh, because I'm still learning a lot. And I appreciate you, Alex, where you've, you've actually done a lot more research and looking at different waves and stuff of feminism. And you talk about that a little bit in the, in the past episode where I, I haven't really done that, that research as much. I'm willing to kind of blindly take on the title in favor of those who've been oppressed or neglected or abused or mistreated. And I think I'm to the point where I'm willing to work out any differences I may have because I don't agree 100% with the the feminist terminology. Mm -hmm. I'm probably 80, 85% there. I'm willing to call myself a feminist and, and have arguments when they, when they may arise if necessary. That's kind of where that's kind of where I land. What about you on the complementary egalitarian? Where, I think you land complementary. I'm pretty staunch complementarian. Pretty staunch. <laughs> I don't. Well, here's the thing: is I think we probably go to a complementary church now. Yeah, I'm I mean, pretty 100 sure they're complementary. Yeah, our church but, right now is complementary. A big sign is if they let a woman preach on Sunday. Yeah, I think you were a non-traditional 
as you pointed out. I yeah. like how you pointed that out. You made that difference between traditionalism and complementarianism. Some traditionalists are jerks. Just going to yes. put that out there. And to me, that's like a, your old church jerk traditionalists. Yes, for sure. And that's exactly what I want to point out. So yeah, we go to a complementary church now. I myself, I personally would have no problem going to an egalitarian church, and I can tell you that because. I went to an unhealthy complementary church, so I have that perspective. I have the perspective of I'm not exactly the most masculine guy uh, there is, and being in and those kind of over well, the top. Well, I think top, we need to redefine what masculinity is. We're going to do that coming up because we have we have a guest coming on in a, in a few months ooh, to talk about that. He re, I'll save he, it for the, I'll save my thoughts. He specifically requested to uh, come on after the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh. <laughs> oh, I know who it is. <laughs> but yeah, just just growing up in kind of that toxic, complementary, traditional environment, I'll say, Alex, I had a hard, hard time fitting in because I'm not very masculine. And I'd watch how people, they might be leading a Bible study, how they might tear up and cry and just get pushed around and ridiculed and mocked and called sissies or hold it together hold your emotions in tight i know why you cry yeah they get all arnold on us and like that's that's one of the things where i think egalitarianism um more so yeah it's it's about equality with women but i think that also a church like that might give me more room to be me and maybe my less than manly self hold up i want to just back up a second because here's 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 where i disagree with that because we you disagree with it you didn't go to the church i grew up in i'm dude. just saying you go to a church right now where the pastor cries every sermon almost. i know it that's why it's really hard to pin down it's hard that's why i think we need to we need to redefine masculinity and i remember that's something that we did no i'm not going to go into it yeah, i'm going to save it's it another i'm going to save it i'm going to save it's it it's a but, planned episode look yeah. at there but Anyway, thank you so much to all of our guests who contributed and all the people that, uh, all the women that gave uh, time to uh, record sermons for us this month as oh well. Oh, my they were, goodness. There's some really good ones. I think my favorite one of the month was definitely the Ashley Easter one. Yeah, she, yeah. That There's was a fantastic. whole new perspective I loved Jesus Laura, I never Laura seen. Prunos, too. Oh, that one. Gosh. I loved them all. They were yeah, all they were really all good. just really great, really yeah. good. Hillary McBride, dude, she was on The Liturgist the same week she was on our podcast. That's pretty insane. So we're basically as cool as The Liturgist yeah, due to the transitive much. property. Yeah. Anyway, nice. that's some math right there. Yeah, straight over my head. So, Jason, um, as we wrap up Feminist Month, is there anything that you would like to tell feminists out there that are trying to fight for equal rights and not in, and not in an aggressive feminazi way, but actually trying to do to do right to be advocates for women? What advice would you would you give them? Yeah, I I'll first want to say I'm with you and I'm willing to stand with you in that movement. But as a hockey player, I have to, the best advice, when you're around the net, you got to keep your stick on the ice. That's how you score goals. That's how you, that's how you accomplish things, Alex. Go in peace, ladies.
three, two. Uh, all encompassing Tampa. <laughs> wow. Definitely not doing that. Heavy Definitely not doing that. Or wide set vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just quoting Mean Girls. <laughs> not your pastor's wide set vagina with a heavy flow episode gosh no we can uh, definitely don't do that all right okay